morning, everyone. And very welcome to our communion service this morning. Um, I have a, a few announcements just to make when you settle, just let yourselves get settled down a wee bit. Um, just after this service, for any leaders of the Bible class or the Sunday school, we're going to be having another wee communion uh, service up here, very short one, so that they don't miss out on taking the bread and the wine. Um, next week, there's a family service um, for all the children and for the grandparents and the parents involve everyone. And I would love to get more and more people involved in such a service. So if you would like to be involved, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you would like to be involved in the service in any way, it might be to sing, it might be to read a poem, it might be to uh, do a wee sketch, maybe the fellowship and that could do a sketch, all of those things, or maybe a play a musical instrument, from the young to the old, we want people to be involved, so please, please get in touch with me, and uh, please, if you'd like to, to do something, we'd love to see you doing something in the service. Um, so there's a worship meeting this afternoon at 3 p.m., and we're looking at uh, trying to balance the traditional and the contemporary uh, music. Where, uh, everyone who's involved in the worship in the church uh, has been invited along, including the youth fellowship as well. And anyone else, I don't want anyone ever feeling that they're left out, that they're not given a voice. So if anyone feels strongly about contributing to that discussion this afternoon, we'll have a look at a couple of issues about what is worship, why is it important, how is it, why is it important to get it right. Um, so please come along. You're very welcome to come to that this afternoon at 3 p.m. The harvest services are Sunday the 9th of October, 11 o'clock in the morning and 6.30 in the evening. And our guests are Donegadine Meal Voice Choir in the evening. And uh, looking forward to that. And the offering will be going towards Storehouse. Uh, with the cost of living crisis, it will particularly be a very worthwhile charity to support this, this winter. Uh, and we hope to have someone possibly to speak for a few minutes from Storehouse. And there'll be refreshments after the service. You'll have seen a couple of wee flyers in uh, your order of service this morning. One is to do with the appetizer evening. Um, Basically, that you, this is new to you. It's basically these evenings, uh, they're to give us an appetite, an appetite for what is to come. Uh, the, the evenings will be to in, introduce a theme or a topic. We're going to be starting off with prayer. Uh, there'll be evenings when all the discipleship groups will uh, come together and receive a small taste of what they're going to be studying in the following two, uh, eight weeks. So every two months there'll be an appetizer evening to get that sort of taste and flavor in your mouth and a sense of inspiration and excitement about what the topic is. And after that, then in the discipleship groups, you'll be looking in more depth into that. And you may not be in a discipleship group. Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, please come. Come to the appetizer evenings. You might find there that you want to maybe link in with a, 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 a discipleship group with a home group, or if you feel, no, I'd rather not be involved in that, you can come to the appetizer evening, enjoy the time of worship, enjoy the time of prayer, 
and looking at the Word of God, I really encourage you to come uh, to that. Communicant classes, um, if you're thinking of becoming a communicant member of Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church, we'd love to see you at these classes. Uh, where we'll be looking at what it is and looking in depth. What is the Lord's Supper? Where does it come from? What's it about? Uh, and why is it so special? And you may be someone who is joining by transfer from another denomination, or you may be someone who's by transfer coming from another Presbyterian church, or you may be someone who's never actually become a community member anywhere. Well, I would really encourage you to come to these classes. You'll enjoy them. Um, I think they'll benefit you spiritually as well. Um, or you may be someone who's been taking communion for years, and I'd really encourage this too. You maybe haven't had a communion class for the last 30 years, and uh, it might be good to refresh yourself with them, to what it's about and what are we doing on a communion Sunday. The first class will be on Wednesday the 12th of October at half past seven here in the church, and if you're interested, please sign up in the vestibule. Um, and the appetizer evening, the first one is Wednesday the 28th of September. Okay. Sorry? Uh, half past seven. Sorry. Half past seven. Okay. Car boot seal is next Saturday, 24th of September. It's from nine to one. And uh, this, that's going to be the last one of this year. So I think that's all the announcements. So we're going to come uh, into the presence of God and worship him. But I want to read, first of all, uh, two little passages. Psalm 119, verse 28. The psalmist writes, My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Do you feel weary this morning? You've had a hard week. You feel tired. You feel your soul is heavy. But something to lift your heart is John 15, verses 9 to 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. In other words, remain in my love. Be aware of my love for you. You're heavy this morning, but know that I love you, that I care for you. Let's just pray. Father, we want to bring this service to you. Lord, we want to center it around you and around your dear son. Lord, without you, we are a social gathering, Father. But we want to circle around you. May you be the center. May you move within our hearts this morning. May you stir our hearts into worship. May you stir our hearts to receive God, what you have for us. And may we leave this place this morning knowing that we have met with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in your precious Son's name. Amen. We're going to have uh, a wee look at the Queen and what her faith meant to her, to, to her. a very short video.
after this moment, I'll pray, and then we're going to lead into to worship. Let's take a moment just to remember our Queen. Father, we give thanks to you for the life of your servant, Queen Elizabeth II. We thank you for her life of service, her faithfulness and her kindness. She has consistently shown us the values of goodness, courage, and strength. Lord, we give thanks. We thank you for her witness to you, her clear and positive faith, her reliance on prayer, and her life that demonstrated forgiveness, hope, and perseverance. Lord, we give thanks. We thank you for the time she gave to others, for the hope she imparted, and for the dutiful leadership she demonstrated so often. Thank you, Jesus, for your servant who lived the life of love, faith, and hope, a follower of Jesus, who pointed others to you and lived as an example of salt and light in the world. Now at peace in you. Lord, we give thanks. We pray now for her family, loved ones, and others who will feel her passing most keenly. Lord, may your comfort and peace be with them. In Jesus' name. Amen.
It's, it's my privilege to um, welcome uh, three new communicants uh, to the church this morning, uh, John and Audrey Hogston and Ben Cavan. John and Audrey, they come, came from Oxford and we're delighted to have them. Already they've been such a blessing uh, and such an encouragement to myself and to Elaine. And uh, Ben, we're delighted to have you here. Uh, where he is, there he is. <laughs> uh, not just as our community outreach worker, but as our brother in Christ as well. And uh, Ben's great enthusiasm will, I think, keep us all on our toes. So I'm going to call on Billy, uh, our clerk of session, to formally uh, welcome both John and Audrey and Ben. Would you give them a round of applause just to encourage them? If the children would like to uh, come up to the front, have we got any children this morning? I hope we're going to have a load more this next week. Crazy week. <laughs> Crazy. I'm on, Daisy. Crazy week next week. Come on ahead. Anybody else want to come up? Good girl. Now, you'd think I was going to do a magic trick here, make this disappear, but I'm not. Good. Anybody else? Because there's a might be a wee reward, something in it for you. Oh, great. That's great. Okay. Can anybody tell me what this is? Can anybody see through that? Have a guess. What's in it? It's a McDonald's Happy Meal. Yes. It's a McDonald's Happy Meal. Now, I must admit... The temptation was a bit too great, me bringing this to you this morning. So I ate a wee bit of it. In fact, I ate the chips, I ate the hamburger, and I drank the Coke. But I do have a little toy inside. Here he is. It, he looks a bit blue, doesn't he? I think he's been eating a McDonald's Happy Meal himself. Doesn't feel too good. That's it. What do you call him? He's a Smurf, isn't he? He's a Smurf. Well, what I want to tell you, boys and girls, is that that today it's communion, and you see the the drinks just the drink behind you there. Let me just get this goblet, and I've got some. This is our Happy Meal today. And it's a happy meal because what we're doing is we're remembering that Jesus went to the cross and he died and took the punishment for my sin and your sin so that one day we might put our trust in him and go to be with him forever. And the death would not hold us back at all, but we'd be in his presence. So the, the, the night before Jesus died, when his disciple was going to betray him, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he said, a wee reminder, I want you, when I die, I want you to frequently take a piece of bread, gather together, take a piece of bread. And he said, this is my body. It's to remind you 
that my body was broken for you. And I want you to take a drink of the wine, and it's to remind you that my blood was shed for you. Now, this is hard for you to understand. You're very young, but just to know that you have a a wonderful Savior who loves you so much and wants to protect you and wants to take care of you and wants one day for you to go and trust him and be with him forever. So uh, now I've got a little thing for you. Um, And this is a little thing that you can take even to school to remind you bit like we're remembering Christ this morning. This is to remind you of his love for you. There's a wee verse on the back. It says, for God so loved the world. That includes you three. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's his only son. That's Jesus. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, live with him forever down here, and then in heaven. Would you like a wee, would you like something here? Here, there you go. There you go. There you go. And I've got a wee poem here. I was trying to learn it, but I think I'll just read it. <laughs> it's a wee, it's, it's called The Savior's Happy Meal, okay? And it is happy. It's sad as well because Christ died, but it is happy Because when he went to the cross, he went, it is finished. I've done everything I need to do for these little children of mine to come and be with me forever. This happy meal doesn't look like much, referring to this. Doesn't look like much. And it doesn't come with a toy. It may not fill my stomach, but it fills my heart with joy. The bread and juice remind me of the Savior's love for me when he died upon a rugged cross on a hill called Calvary. There is no way I can describe the gratitude, that means thanks, I feel each and every time I eat the Savior's happy meal. Now, can one of you tell me Put up your hands if you, if you heard the hill that Jesus died upon. Can anybody tell me the name of that hill? No. If you can remember what it is, there's a wee smurf. <laughs> no. Okay, let me give you another. Um, let me see. What does the bread, when we, as a symbol, when we break the bread, what's that a reminder of? What is a symbol of? Jesus's, yes, Jesus's body. Well done. You have Mr. Smurf. <laughs> but well done to all of you. And we're going to sing a wee song now because this sort of summarizes it. It's called I'm Special. And any time you sort of feel a bit down and you think that God doesn't care for you, you think of this wee song. It's because I'm special. God loves me and he sent Jesus to die for me. So 
just want to stand there and we'll sing it together? Yeah, and you give to come next week because... here and tell your friends to come next week and, and are there any boys and girls any other boys and girls we make sure you they come next time definitely I want to make her an elder she's brilliant okay okay hey girls girls would you like a wee packet of, would you like here is there anybody else that I'm not noticing? There you go. Okay. Oh, you have one, sorry. Anybody else? You can have one. There you go. Okay. 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 So we're just going to dedicate uh, the offering. 
Um, I know each week that you are, are giving, and we really appreciate that. And uh, even through this COVID period, you've been tremendous in giving. But we want to dedicate the offering now. And uh, But anybody who still hasn't given, the plates will still be at the back at the end uh, of the service. Father, we just we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you give us. We really do. We thank you, God, for our health and our strength. We thank you for these children, which are such a blessing to us, for our young people. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation and for the warmth of this congregation. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you would use us in the future. But we just thank you for everything that they give. They give their hearts. They give their kind. But Lord, they also give money, which we need as well, Father, just to, to make this place work and promote it. So we thank you for their generosity. And we dedicate it to you. We pray that you'd use it in your service for your glory, that it would go all into all the right places, into all the right projects, into all the right things. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, I'm going to pray a prayer just of intercession as we start the church here. I'd like to pray this. And if you join in your own hearts as, as we pray. Father, as we start a new church here, may our hearts be totally surrendered to what you would do in each of our lives. And as a church, lead us to be the light and salt that you would have us be. Draw us close to you this year. Show us how to seek your face. May we not be satisfied with anything less than your presence amongst us. The great I am the King of kings, and the Holy Spirit who draws alongside. Smother us and fill us with nothing less than who you are. Lead us on a daily basis in our individual lives. Lead us more and more into relationship and away from religion. May we begin to see the promises you have given to your people fulfilled. We pray, Father, that we may see more and more people coming to trust your Son as their Savior and Lord. And we pray that those who do, may they become hungry for more of you. And may they grow and mature in their faith and feel the benefit and the strength from that. Spirit of the living God, please rekindle the flame of desire for you within our souls until it's a blazing fire. We pray for those who are ill at the moment, those who would love to be around your table today. May they do that you have, not, you're not for, you have not forgotten about them, but are with them closer even than their right arm. Bring healing, Father, we pray. Bring restoration of body and mind and spirit. Give them all sufficient grace for this time in their lives. May Christ be their hope and their strength. Thank you, Father, that you're a great and loving God. Be patient with us, we pray, and lead us on with yourself in your Son's precious name. Amen. Let's stand and let's just prepare our hearts for the Word of God by, by singing and reflecting on Be Still My Soul.
like to have a look at Isaiah 50 verses, although it'll say on my wee PowerPoint um, here, it'll say 1 to 11, but it's 1 to 7 that we're covering. Um, is there a wee PowerPoint? Here we go. Yep, thank you, Chris. Um, for verses 1 to 7. This is what the Lord says. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Because of your sins you were sold. Because of your transgressions, your mother was sent away. When I came, why was there no one? When I called, why was there no one to answer? Was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? By a mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. Their fish rot for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the sky with darkness and make sackcloth its covering. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit might strike our hearts, Lord, this morning. Touch our hearts. Lord, this is a prophet who is speaking on behalf of God and telling of the suffering servant who is namely Jesus Christ and pointing ahead to his coming and to his, his death. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would take us to the cross. Lord, take us to the courtroom of the cross where Christ, even though he is innocent, is declared guilty on our behalf. Lord, take us this morning to the courtroom of the cross that we might see that we are clean through Jesus Christ. Lead us, Lord, by your Spirit. Amen. I wonder, for whatever reason, have you ever felt that God's forgotten about you? Have you ever felt that God, he no longer cares about me? The people of God have felt this for some time, since about 586 BC, when Jerusalem, this massive big country called Babylon, a massive powerful nation, a bit like Russia or America, and they rode into Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple and they knocked down the walls and they split up people's homes and they took some of the people away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And now those exiles who were taken to Babylon, they live now in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar gods around them, with no place to sacrifice and no place to worship. They feel God has deserted them. Psalm 137 verse 1 is written by such folk, by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, when we remembered our hometown. 
Again, I ask you, have you ever felt that God has forgotten about you, that he no longer cares? And perhaps you feel it right now. Back in Isaiah 49, 14, we're told that the people of God left behind, missing their families, their, their city destroyed. It says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. To which God replies with such compassion, can the mother forget the baby at her breast? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You know, back then in Old Testament days, especially if your husband had died, there's no one bringing the money in. There's no universal credit. There's no benefits for you. And if you're unable as a mother to look after your child, your child would very likely be taken into slavery until you can look after it, until you can pay the debts. But whenever that happened... A mother would have her, the palms of her hands tattooed or engraved with the names of her children. So that whether she's washing the dishes in the river or whether she's cooking by the fire or whether she's scrubbing the washing on the washboard, that always before her were the names of her children. And God says, I, you think I've forgotten about you. I have not forgotten about you. I have you written tattooed, engraved on the palms of my hands. And in chapter 50, as we come into chapter 50, it's God's answer to people who feel very strongly that God doesn't care, that God's abandoned them. And uh, it's it's a, a response to the lie that God doesn't care about you. Psalm 50, verse 1, God brings up two hypothetical situations. First of all, divorce, and then sale. Divorce. First of all, divorce. Where's your mother's certificate of divorce, God says? You know, God seems to be addressing a situation here which seems to be irretrievable. You know, the relationship between God and his people, as far as the people are concerned, there's too much water under the bridge. There, you know, the relationship with God has been cut. It's been severed. He no longer cares for us. He no longer wants to be our God. It's cut. It's dead in the water. But God is asking, where did you get that idea from? What made you jump to that conclusion? Our relationship isn't dead and gone. Where's the certificate of divorce? If there is no certificate of divorce, it's still reconcilable. God says it might be bad. Our relationship might be bad, but it's still reconcilable. And keep in the back of your mind, and I'm sure in the back of God's mind at this point was his son coming to reconcile. Or seal, which of the creditors did I sell you? To which, or to which of the creditors did I sell you? You know, as I've said, when a family couldn't pay their debts, the children would possibly be put into slavery. But as far as we know, it wasn't an impossible situation because the children could easily be brought back when the debts were paid. So bad as the situation was, God is saying, with regards to you and me, as bad as our relationship is, how much you have sinned against me 
It's not irreconcilable. It can be reconciled. And in the back of his mind, God is thinking, my son, my son. Verse 1 says, because of your sins you were sold. Not that God wanted this. There in Babylon, God's saying, you are where you are now because you rebelled against me time and time and time again, and you worshipped other gods, and you were involved in a massive amount of sin, and so like a father disciplines his son, I needed to discipline you, otherwise you're going to wreck the nation, and therefore, that's what I'm doing now. I've used Babylon, this nation, to discipline you, but our relationship It's not irreconcilable, my son, my son, my son. You know, there are a lot of questions in this passage, questions God has for his people. Next question. Um, In verse 2, this is from God. When I came, when I came, why was there no one? And when I called, why was there no answer? You know, it's reminiscent of Genesis 3, 8, isn't it? What a sad situation that is. God is walking in the cool of the day through the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve hear him coming. They go and hide. And he's calling out, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And the same in Israel's situation. Where are you? And they're hiding. It's like they're hiding from God. It's like they've, they're the ones that have decided to cut off from God. And God is saying, where are you? You know, shame is something which makes us pull away from God. It makes us want to hide. We begin to believe the lie of the enemy that God is done with us, that God no longer cares for us. Look at the sin in your life. How could God care for you? We must resist such lies. They're from the enemy. God loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And when Adam sins that day, yes, it's a tragic hour. But what does God do? It's the first sacrifice ever. He goes and takes an animal and he kills it and he skins it and he puts it on Adam and Eve to cover their embarrassment. That's a God who loves. The God who's been, his heart has been deeply wounded by what's happened, but yet he still has a compassion to pull off that act of kindness. You know, when I think of this passage, I think also of Jesus coming. And in John's gospel, we're being told that Jesus is coming to actually reach people, touch people, help people, support people, die for people. And we're told by John, he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. I wonder, is there someone here this morning and God has been calling out your name for many years now, and you've thought, when I get a bit older, I'll give my life to Christ. When I get a bit older, when I've seen enough of this world and done everything I want to do, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until, and then I'll I'll give my life to him. But life doesn't work like that. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. This time last week, you know, 
or this time two weeks ago, we didn't know the queen was going to pass. Don't leave it. It says in the scriptures, the spirit of God will only strive with man a certain time and then the door will shut. If God has been calling, respond to him. Give your life to Christ. You know, he'll leave 99 sheep to just go looking for that one which is lost. He loves. But another question here is, God says, asks, was my arm too short to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? God's saying, in your situation now where you are, you're despairing, and you've accused me of cutting myself off from you. Yet when I come to you and I look for you and I call out to you, you're hiding. I don't know where you are. Why does nobody come to me? You know, the people indeed have lost hope, haven't they? They've lost their faith in God that he's even able to do what he, they need him to do. They feel he doesn't care anymore. And even if he does care, would he even be able to do what we need him to do? We're sitting in Babylon in a foreign country with foreign gods, far from our families. Our homes have been wrecked. Jerusalem is in ruins. We need God to move. He can even do it. And God says, was my arm? Is that the problem? You think I'm not powerful enough? Was my arm too short? To deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? You know, God appeals to his power in creation. He does this in Amos as well. God says, he who formed the mountains, I put them there. He who creates the wind, he who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. He, God shows his power. Isaiah 50, he says um, that, that I have the power to make drastic changes, to dry up the sea by my word, to power to turn a river into a desert, power to clothe the heavens with darkness. This is my power. Did you question my strength? Did you question my ability to help you. I wonder, do you feel this in your life? Do you feel it? A bit lost in life? Perhaps you feel like you're walking through a maze, not knowing which way to turn, and feeling alone, feeling no one understands. This message is God is able to reach you. God is able, his arms long enough to reach you, to rescue you, strong enough to deliver you and to guide you. He is the master of all creation, the very origin of life itself. He can help you. But the powerful God now turns to the personal, to the very personal approach that he makes, because it, 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 it might strike a chord, this personal note, more in your heart than, than the power of God, the personal note. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains. 
the weary. I asked you at the beginning of the service, are you weary this morning? Have you had a tough week? Are you weary? Are you tired? Has life been a bit harsh? You know, an instructed tongue, that, that me, it basically means a disciple's tongue, a tongue, that's, a, a, a tongue of those who are taught. As referring here to Christ being the master disciple, and, uh, you know, it's interesting that he has to learn just like any of the other disciples. And he concentrates on the word of God, listening to the word of God. Do you know where he gets his learning? Well, let's read on. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. His father, he's talking about his father. And we've read about Jesus getting up early in the morning and going to the mountains to pray. He says, my father wakens me every morning. And my father gives me words to say to you and to the people that I meet, to the weary. He gives me words for the weary to encourage them. Like we can think of some of the things that Jesus said, come on to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. Are not two sparrows sold for a, a copper penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. And even the hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. These things the father is telling him in the morning. Say this to this person. Say that to that group. These are the words to the weary. You know, Scripture is packed with words for the weary because Christ's ministry was, as we read in Isaiah 61, it's to proclaim good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you think I don't care? Do you think I have cut off from you in your situation? Read these words. This is Jesus, the suffering servant. Of course I care. I get up every morning and I am instructed by my Father and I care and I give you the words and encouragement you need in your life. And if you're still convinced of his love for you, and, and all of us go through those phases, please read me, with me this next verse. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. This is referring to what he's going to, what's ahead of him on the cross, that he would bravely face and endure to do his Father's will. Do you think I don't love you? Look at the scars on the back. I give my back willingly for them to lash it and open it I do that for you. He's heard his father saying, go to the cross. And Jesus has said, but Father, that is really hard for me to do. That is so hard, but thy will be done. 
and I give my back and I give my face where they're busy humiliating me and plucking pieces off my beard. I give it. I give it for you. You know, Jesus looked down the corridors of time for 2,000 years and he had, he had you and me in his heart seeing how we lived, seeing the sin we committed, our failure, our breakdowns, and hearing all of our excuses and our self-justification. He listened as we vindicated ourselves of it, saying, it doesn't matter how we live. God doesn't care about me anyway. But he does care. He offered his back to those who beat him, and he allowed the beatings and the spitting in his face to take place and the humiliation and all of that. And by the time they'd finished with him, his face was almost unrecognizable. Just finally, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like flint. You know, the idea of flint is that it's hard. And Jesus, and even in Luke's gospel, we're told he set his face to go to Jerusalem because he knew he must go to the cross. And here in Isaiah, it's talking about setting his face. And he's saying, but Father, I trust you. You've been with me in the past. And I know these next days are going to be really difficult but I'm trusting you and I will not be put to shame. I will go to the cross and I will do that. I'll fix my face like flint to go there and I'll do your will, Father. The determination. W.Y. Fullerton, and I finish with this quote. He said, uh, I think it's a a poem or or a hymn. I didn't recognize it. I cannot tell how silently he suffered as with his peace he graced the place of tears or how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain to three and thirty years. But this I know, he heals the brokenhearted and stays our sin and calms our lurking fear and lifts the burden from the heavy laden. For yet the Savior, Savior, of the world is here. When I spoke to the children about a happy meal, I wasn't being irreverent because it is a happy meal. It's a solemn occasion to remember and reflect on the death of Jesus. But yet it's happy because he went with his face like flint and he went and he decided, I am going to do this. I am going to finish this. And on the cross, as he hung there, he said, it is finished. It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Christ has finished his work. And then the invitation is to us. The invitation is to us to come and give our lives to him and if necessary, give our lives for him.
Let's pray and thank God for the bread and wine. We thank you, Lord, for these symbols. Yes, Lord, it hurts us to think of what you went through. You gave your back to the soldiers. You gave your face to the soldiers to pull out your beard, to punch you in the head. You gave that, and then you walked the Via Della Rosa and were raised on the cross for us. But Lord, because of that, when we put our trust in you alone and in your saving work, then we're clean. We're forgiven. The judge says not guilty. It's a solemn occasion, this Lord, but it's a joyous event. It's a happy, joyous meal. We thank you for these symbols. Please touch us over the next few minutes as we reflect upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we take the bread and the wine, Bob Dylan wrote a song um, a few years before he came out as saying, I'm, I'm now a born-again Christian. He wrote this song a few years before anybody knew he was a Christian. But you can see how Christian this song is, how Christ is in this song. Um, a guy called Glenn Scrivener, um, he's an apologist, and uh, he, he's altered a couple of words in this song to try and just highlight. But, but if you know the song, the alterations are very minimal. But it's just to, to make Jesus the ultimate focus. Um, let, me, let me read the words of this song. Um, it's called Shelter from the Storm. "'Twas in another lifetime he joined our race of mud. When blackness was our virtue, the road was paved with blood. He came into our wilderness. He took our broken form. Come in, he said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. When he passed this way, he said, you can rest assured. I've come to take your heavy load. On that I give my word. In a world of steel-eyed death and men who are fighting to be warm, come in, he said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. I had never paid him mind, never give him heed. I took my life and fed it to my lust and hate and greed. Every day was dirty since the, the day that I was born. Come in, he said. If I, I'll give you shelter from the storm. In a little hilltop gathering, they gambled for his clothes. He came to bring salvation, gave himself a lethal dose. He offered up his innocence and got repaid with scorn. Come in, he said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. Suddenly I turned around and he was hanging there, dressed in blood and nails and tears and every worldly care. He spread his arms to every soul and took their crown of thorns. Come in, he said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. But death could never hold him. He shook it off with ease and preached to all us mortal men that deathly cares should cease. A whole new world of life and hope began that emerald morn. Come in, he said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. The future stretches hungry 
unto the working world. Every tear is wiped away, eternity unfurled. And he will call the age to be on that exquisite dawn. Come in, he says. I'll give you shelter from the storm. And Paul writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this do in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're going to just sit and reflect for a moment and, and listen to um, watch a video by Keith and Christine Getty. It's called The Power of the Cross.
going to stand and sing our final piece in heavenly love abiding and after that there'll be the benediction and if you remain standing after the benediction we'll uh, sing the national anthem Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God say. Please be seated. 